I'm Rachel Hernandez, real estate investor turned mobile home investor and best-selling author. I make a living investing in mobile homes for cash flow for long-term passive income. After many mistakes and lessons learned, I've been able to create the kind of life where I can do the types of things I want to do, not have to do. I created the Adventures in Mobile Homes podcast to share with you what I've learned so you can spend more time with family, friends, and do things you love. Mobile home investing can help you get there. If you want to hear real stories with practical and actionable advice you can use from someone who's been in the trenches and who's still investing today to create the type of life you love, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Well, hello. And welcome to the Adventures in Mobile Homes podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Hernandez, a.k.a. Mobile Home Girl of AdventuresInMobileHomes.com. Thank you so much for joining me here on the 36th episode of the podcast. Now, just in case you missed it, be sure to tune in to the last episode where I answer the question, are Lonnie deals dead when it comes to your mobile home investing business? As I went over in that episode, laws have changed since Lonnie's time. As a result of the subprime mortgage crisis that occurred between 2007 and 2010, therefore creating the SAFE Act and Dodd-Frank. So, under these laws, you can still do traditional Lonnie deals where you buy mobile homes for cash and then sell them using owner financing to end buyers intending to live in them. Though, it's the way that you do these deals and the paperwork and documentation needed to do these deals that has changed. Under these laws, there are rules and regulations that you must follow to be compliant with the law as a mobile home investor. So if you missed that episode and would like to learn more, you can find that episode along with the show notes at www.adventuresinmobilehomes.com slash 35. And that is the number 35. But today, I'm going to talk about something that I've mentioned a couple times on the show. And that is my $2,000 nightmare. Because honestly, It's not always about price when it comes to being a real estate investor. And I learned that the hard way. Unfortunately, a lot of people just starting out tend to only look at just the numbers, which can get you into trouble because a lot of times, There are things there that you just can't see. And the numbers, well, 
they only tell you part of the story, but not the whole thing. So today, I'm going to talk about my $2,000 nightmare, a mobile home that I bought for $2,000. I go through the entire deal, including how I found and bought the home, how I fixed up the home, and the selling process, and why it was such a nightmare. So get ready for a good story, as this is a long time coming. But before we move on, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Hey there, Rachel here. Are you a mobile home investor wanting to sell your homes using owner financing? As Lonnie Scruggs, the godfather of mobile home investing, taught and did himself as a mobile home investor? Are you in it for the long haul, investing in mobile homes as a real estate investor? Well, if you are, then there are two laws that you need to be aware of if you're doing business in the United States as a mobile home investor. The SAFE Act and Dodd-Frank. Now, both of these laws came about as a result of the subprime mortgage crisis that happened between 2007 and 2010, which contributed to the global financial crisis that happened between 2007 and 2008. And these events eventually led to the Great Recession that happened between 2007 and 2009. So before all of this, there weren't as many restrictions when it came to offering your homes on owner financing as a real estate investor. Though as a result of both of these laws that were passed, the SAFE Act, and Dodd-Frank, as mobile home investors, we've had to change the way we do business and how we do business when going this route and offering up your homes using seller financing as a real estate investor. Now, over this past year, I've been working on a course specifically for mobile home investors on both of these laws, the SAFE Act and Dodd-Frank. And in this course, I go over exactly what you need to know and what options you can take as a mobile home investor to be compliant with these laws. So if you want to get more information about the SAFE Act and Dodd-Frank and you're ready to learn more so that you can be compliant with the law when it comes to investing in mobile homes and continuing your journey as a mobile home investor, then check out my new course, What You Need to Know 
about Dodd-Frank and the SAFE Act, go to www.adventuresinmobilehomes.com slash Dodd-Frank course, all one word, for more information. Again, www.adventuresinmobilehomes.com slash Dodd-Frank course. Sign up today to get the information that you need so that you can learn how to stay compliant with the law and be a successful mobile home investor. Now, back to the show. Okay, first things first. Before I get into the story, I want to say something. Because... It just has to be said. And that is, it's not always just about price when doing deals as a mobile home investor or a real estate investor in general. Unfortunately, a lot of people put too much emphasis on the numbers, which I've been guilty of myself. But honestly, numbers, they only tell one side of the story and are only one piece of the puzzle. In order to be a successful investor, you must learn to look at all of the pieces of the puzzle because you can't run a successful business running on parts. You need to do things as a whole. And you need to learn to analyze each situation and opportunity for a deal that comes your way in its entirety, not just in pieces. Now, as a side note, if you're interested, I wrote a book about how to be a successful real estate investor for the long term called Real Estate Investing Sucks, How to Deal with Change and Find Success as a Real Estate Investor, which I'll link up here in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. Now, getting back to things, okay, that's my soapbox. Let's get into the story so that you know exactly what I'm talking about and why I feel so strongly about it. So, are you ready? Okay, here we go. All right, let's get into it. This is my story when I was first starting out. When I was a total newbie in green in the world of mobile home investing. And at that point, I had done a few deals already. And I made my connections with park managers and identified parks to work with. But that was just a starting point. What I failed to realize was that there are certain types of parks that work with my personality. And others that don't. But you know, that type of knowledge 
Well, it only comes with experience and making mistakes and learning from them, which is why I'm sharing with you this mistake I made today. By the way, just in case you missed it, and if you'd like to learn more, check out episode seven of the podcast where I talk about the different types of mobile home parks and how to identify them. I'll link it up here in the show notes just in case you want to check it out. Getting back to things, one of the park managers that I knew, who I already established a relationship with, well, he called me on a lead for a home in his park. Now, this was a low-end park, typically not a park that I'd work in today. But again, I was just starting out. To me, all that mattered was getting these leads and doing deals, no matter what the consequences. Big mistake and lesson learned. So let's talk about the deal. Well, basically, it was for a two-bedroom, one-bath home. Now, the seller was a single mother who was behind on her lot rent. And the size of the home was a 14 by 48. And that was on the smaller side and very similar to my first deal. Though the difference was that there wasn't any central heating and air conditioning in this home, and the seller, the single mother, well, she had only been living in the home for less than a year. Definitely a red flag. On the other hand, my first deal had central heating and air conditioning And the sellers, who was a small family, they had been living in the home for 10 years. Plus, my first deal was in a high-end park versus this home that was in a low-end park. One of the reasons why I had success with the first deal and not with this one. Now, as a side note, if you'd like to learn more about my first deal, be sure to check out Episode 3, My First Mobile Home Deal. I'll be sure to link it up here in the show notes, just in case you missed it and want to have a listen. Getting back to the deal, the seller was asking $4,000 for the home. But to make a long story short, I negotiated a bit, and I was able to cut that amount down to half. So my purchase price ended up being only $2,000 for the home. Sounds like a bargain, right? Not exactly. So, going into this deal, the homeowner side of me was telling me to walk away. 
But the investor side of me told me that this was great and was screaming money. So what do I mean and why? Well, as a homeowner, I knew I definitely wouldn't want to live in this park or in this home for that matter. While the park was a family-style park, usually these are the types of parks that I do business in, it was a low-end park. It had a mix of homeowners and renters, and it was a park that always had turnover, multiple evictions every month. And I knew this from talking to the park manager on a regular basis. By the way, if you missed it, be sure to check out episode eight, how to talk to park managers if you need help in this area. I'll link it up here in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. Now, I will say there are many investors that I know who work these types of parks, low-end parks, for their own mobile home investing business. And they found a lot of success with them. Though for me, and looking back now, this was definitely not my cup of tea. These types of parks, well, they just don't work for me and my personality. Now, I had a lot of success buying and selling homes at this point. Though, I didn't take the time to analyze why. And it was because I worked more in higher-end parks that attracted a different type of clientele than lower-end parks, which I found out through experience by doing this deal. So, what do I mean by that? Well, it turns out that this park, low-end parks, they attracted more lower-end type of clientele, meaning people who applied for this home that I had on the market, well, they had evictions, bankruptcies, unstable job history, low credit scores, etc. And it was the park, not me or the home, that attracted this type of clientele. Now, personally, I just wasn't used to, or comfortable, for that matter, with working with these types of people. Because up to this point, I was doing deals successfully in higher-end parks. So I collected the applications and didn't find anyone that was a good fit and worked well with my criteria of a good resident. But the park manager told me that I was just too picky and I just needed to make a decision from the stack of applications received. 
But here's the kicker. And I should have taken this as a red flag. The park manager went on to say that if someone defaults, then I just needed to get the eviction paperwork ready right now and that helping me with the paperwork process wouldn't be a problem. As, and I quote, we do a lot of evictions every month. Can you say red flag? I should have seen it coming. I mean, why would I even do business in a park and buy a home only to go through eviction? due to the types of clientele that the park attracted. But no, I kept pushing on, and I ignored all of the red flags, which, by the way, I don't recommend. If your gut is telling you not to do something, then you should always listen to it, no matter what. Just my opinion and experience. Now getting back to it, I even tried calling up some of the people on my waiting list and other residents that I had worked with in nicer parks. You know, the higher-end types of parks that I usually do business in? Well, they didn't even want to live in that park. It was way too low-end for them. I remember one resident that I worked with in particular who was looking for a home for her mom. And this park, it wasn't too far away from where her and her husband had lived. They were my residents, very honest and upfront, and they always paid on time. Well, they even went to this home, and they told me, do you have any others in nicer parks? So I should have definitely took that as a sign. In the end, I held out as much as I could, but there came a point where I had to do something. So I thought long and hard and gave the situation a lot of thought, which I recommend you do before making a move, especially when it comes to running your own mobile home investing business. I just knew that I couldn't take the advice of the park manager. I didn't want to fill this home with just anyone. I knew I had to get the right types of people in there. People who are honest and upfront, had steady jobs, and who I had a good feeling could pay on time, which would be reflected in the applications as I was pretty successful picking the right types of people at this point. But honestly, I had to do something now. 
it had been too long and the home was vacant and I was throwing away money every month on the lot rent. There was even a point where one of the window unit air conditioners, as the home didn't have central heating and air conditioning, which was sticking out of one of the windows, well, it was stolen out of the home. Someone just came by and yanked it. I filed a police report and got the police involved, which is a story for another time. But you get the point. This home was not in a good neighborhood, according to my standards. And anything could happen. Had I not done anything, the situation could have been worse. Getting back to it, in the end, I decided to sell the home cheap. I found an investor who bought the home and wanted to move it out of the park and onto his own land. Now, this investor had been looking for more homes to buy for cheap and move on his land. He already had a few already, and he ended up renting these homes out to tenants. Before I signed the paperwork to sell the home, I made sure that I was comfortable working with this investor, and he was honest and upfront. I also made sure that he had a mover lined up, someone that he used on a regular basis. So everything looked good. We signed the paperwork to transfer over the title. I got paid. I handed over the keys. And the investor got that home out of the park right away. Now, before all of this, I told the park manager what I was planning to do. He was fine with me moving the home out of the park, as he really didn't like his job. And he didn't really take it seriously. I remember there were times where I was sitting in the park office and he was smoking and rolling up cigarettes. Yes, he made his own cigarettes. And this was right in front of me. I know, this may come as a shock. But it's just one of those things that happens sometimes when you work in low-end parks. It's not only the types of people the park attracts, but also the people who work there. Now, I'm not saying that this is true for all of these types of parks, but it's been my own personal experience working in this business. So, there were no hard feelings about me selling the home to an investor who intended to move the home out of the park. But if you plan to do this as an investor, be sure to check with the park manager first. So there you have it. My story 
about my $2,000 nightmare. As you can see, buying mobile homes cheap isn't always what it's cracked up to be. It's not always just about price. Unfortunately, a lot of real estate investors, especially those just starting out, they tend to only look at the price and what these deals cost. But honestly, and this is based on my own experience as a mobile home investor in the space, price isn't the only thing that you should look at when you're evaluating the homes to buy for your mobile home investing business. It only tells you one side of the story, but not the whole piece. As an investor, you have to learn to look beyond price. Look at the factors why it's so cheap. And why does a seller want to sell this home for such a low price to begin with? As a real estate investor, I've learned the hard way that if something is too good to be true, then it probably is. And remember this, no matter how good the deal sounds, you don't want to inherit someone else's problems. Sure, there are deals that can be had for a good price, like my first deal, which I've mentioned, though you've got to look beyond the price. Look at other factors such as the condition of the home, the community where the home sits, the types of people who live in that community, and the types of clientele the community attracts. All of this will have an impact on whether or not you can succeed with the deal. And I'll be honest, a lot of this has to do with your personality and the way that you do things. For me personally, I'm not comfortable working in low-end parks. It's just not my cup of tea. And the type of clientele that these parks attract, well, they just don't work with my personality. But it's worked for other investors that I know, and that's okay. The moral of the story is to know what you're getting yourself into before you decide to buy your next mobile home purchase. Because sometimes a deal may not really be a deal when you look at all of the factors involved beyond its price. And if you'd like to read more, I'll link up an article I wrote about my $2,000 nightmare right here in the show notes. So what did you think? Did this episode help you as a mobile home investor? I hope so. If you've enjoyed the show and find value with it, please consider supporting the show 
I've enjoyed this podcasting journey so far, and it's something that I've always wanted to do. I'll include a link here in the show notes on how you can support me if you'd like to check it out. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes where I link up some of the resources mentioned here. You can find it at www.adventuresinmobilehomes.com slash 36. And that is the number 36. Again, www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com slash 36. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share it with family and friends. And be sure to follow me and subscribe. If you have some time, I'd love to hear your feedback through a short Apple podcast review. Until next time, this is Rachel Hernandez, a.k.a. Mobile Home Girl of the Adventures of Mobile Homes podcast, signing off. Thanks for listening.